So you saw you saw a, a, this this A twenty four Paul Schrader thing. You've I saw that. it after the fact. I'm having trouble understanding what exactly happened and what everyone had to lose. What like everyone had to lose their shit or? No. What what this... what what was the cultural capital that A twenty four were going to lose and why did they then delete the post? Like, I can you talk me through it? Okay, wait. So let's um, let's let's talk through this whole thing. So Paul Schrader puts up a Facebook post after a couple of months off Facebook, where he says, uh, "A twenty four told me off for saying I wanted to work with Kevin Spacey, and thank God award season's over. I never have to talk to Alfonso Cuarón again." Um, right. That was kind of the substance okay. of this post. So they A twenty four said Paul Schrader supports Kevin Spacey, therefore he shouldn't post it again online until after award season. Yeah, because, like, First Reformed was, you know, up against it to get the Oscars. It, uh-huh. You know, even Ethan Hawke couldn't, couldn't break in there. Um, but the screenplay, Schrader got his screenplay norm, right? So they're like, uh, we don't want to get, like, embroiled in some, like, some bullshit. Just because Schrader's an old man who doesn't understand that, like, Kevin Spacey is a sicko. And also not a good actor. What what is what Kevin Spacey doing a Paul Schrader for? Honestly. Anyway. Okay. Okay. So behind closed doors, A twenty four said, "Don't say anything, Paul. You'll hurt your Oscar chances." Yeah. Okay. And he doesn't care because he's Paul Schrader. He's just like fucking wilding out. He doesn't give a fuck if he wins a Oscar or not. Okay. He was like openly saying that like all the awards celebrate mediocrity, like in the whole run up to the the event. Right? Okay. Um, okay i'm with you now okay so then so then a24 put up because a24's entire twitter presence has to be this kind of like memed like aren't we a cool personality thing they're they're the denny's of of film twitter Mm -hmm. deleted it didn't they so we're gonna have to so it's deleted but they basically said uh don't worry paul you are free award season's over you're free from us or something like that like go fly bird for fly that kind of shit Mm mm-hmm and then everyone just like laid into A twenty four for, I guess, uh, not taking it more seriously that Schrader was supporting Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun. I guess it's funny to see, like, a studio that's like a bit as obnoxious as A twenty four getting dragged. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like people will revel in their like anti A twenty four thing at the moment. Well, it's got to come sometime. Yes, they are our Miramax. <laughs> Truly, kind of. Do people rail against Miramax though? They didn't. I didn't, I feel like A twenty four were kind of more obnoxious than Miramax in the way they're they're selling their brand. Nah, come on, Miramax in the nineties is like classic for how like in your face and like aggressive they were. Okay. Like the fact that Harvey Weinstein was such a known f- personality, out, like for a, for a producer to be like so famous, mm-hmm. that's I think I think they were more obtrusive than A twenty four, right? Like okay, I guess because I'm not living in it in the same way that I am now, it's hard to compare. But I feel like Miramax were trying to put forth this image of being cool, whereas A twenty four are trying to put forth this image of being arty and intellectual. Do you not think A24 think they're cool? Yeah, but not in a mainstream cool way. In like a... I know that you know this isn't. This is kind of alternative cool, right? 
Yeah, but it's that like it's the it's it's mid nineties, right? It's like <laughs> the Jonah Hill call. If A twenty four was a person, they would be Jonah Hill with the fucking sleeve tats and the dyed pink hair. Uh-huh. At a vampire weekend show or whatever. Like that is the that's their brand. Mm-hmm. I met I met a dude at Berlin with a fucking A twenty four tat. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Was that sponsored content? Yeah, he's a human sponsored. He also had a love, love in three D tattoo, and I was like, my guy. Wow, was it an ironic thing, or does he just really love those things? He was just super into it. He was like, I can't wait to see mid nineties. So interesting. I can't. I don't think I've ever seen a brand tattoo. I've seen barcodes. I've seen a lot of people with barcode tats. But is it that far removed from getting a like Mario tattoo or Sonic or something? I feel like that's a bit different because that's a character. A24 is literally a, a brand of, of air-curated They've got their Twitter, Twitter personality. <laughs> they got their Twitter character. I guess. So, but A24 didn't really do much of the Oscars? Did they, make much, did they win anything? I don't think so, no. This was a quiet year for them. It was. And Amazon Studios, I also felt it was a quiet year for them compared to the year before. Netflix kind of run ran the game, didn't they, this time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, obviously they came through with the Roma win for Best Picture, right? That was that was nice and tidy. Roma thoroughly deserved its Best Picture <laughs> win. Uh, I think you watched the BAFTAs. You're thinking the wrong thing. What? Hold up. There's been a mistake. <laughs> Greenberg. You guys won Best Picture, and now you're going to court. (laughs) This is not going to happen again. So, we're back. Welcome to Judge Movie. Uh, Judge Oscars voting 2019. Uh, With me, Ben Flanagan, Judge Movie. Uh, it's Alicia Izumi, cinema attorney. What What the hell's happened? It's been a few days and I'm still confused. Yes. I'm, con- I'm, I'm mad, actually, a little bit about the the voting system of the Best Picture Oscar. Um, they use something called a preferential voting system and I think it's one of many flaws within the Oscars, but it's the one I'm most annoyed about i don't like the way the preferential voting system works i don't think it yields an interesting choice as you see with green book and i want to kind of break down what's wrong with it and it's one that's not really talked about as well mm-hmm. like we know it's there but people don't really understand how it works mm-hmm. so i think we should get into it um mm-hmm. especially as we've got this mega controversial winner or is it controversial is it just people online that are upset and the real world people are kind of happy uh, well, yeah, you're saying, is it a controversial win? Because some people don't like that movie. But, you know, if Bohemian Rhapsody was one of the biggest movies of the year, and lots of people love that movie, maybe they're upset that it didn't win Best Picture. But obviously a lot of people would be upset if it did win. I wonder how many people that watched, like, all of the nominees were upset that Bo Rap didn't win. Or do you think that those people were like, ah, oh, look, Bohemian Rhapsody is, like, really good fun, but actually Green Book's the the really serious one that was like just a bit bit artier <laughs> oh 
that's fine. It's just like watching... Because I only just caught up with the... I've literally watched it this morning. We're recording on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I didn't get to see the Oscars live. Uh, but, like, every time Peter Farrelly gets up on stage, it's just a complete disaster. Where he just keeps talking about, like, oh, we all just need to love each other. And these just such nothing statements. Mm-hmm. You know, when Spike Lee goes up and made this kind of amazing, like, poem or whatever. You yeah. know, that was really good speech. Mm-hmm. Um... Or the the lady that won the costume design for Black Panther, that was like awesome. Yeah. Yay! Oh, it's Green Book. What is this movie? You liked it. You like Green Book, right? Um, I have have mixed feelings on it. I did enjoy it and found it charming, but you know, I can't in good faith like put it forward as something I really recommend or something we need for a discussion on race, you know. Yeah, so it's this charming thing that's like kind of seems to be what's like got it through, right? Yeah. This idea that it's just full of charm. Is that like the charisma between the two guys? I would think you say? so. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I found they were like Holt and Peralta from Brooklyn Nine Nine. I I didn't really get what else there was to that. I don't know. Maybe people lend too much weight to chemistry, like as if it's some rare thing. Like, there's often chemistry in lots of movies. Right. And we've seen that as well with people after the Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga performance, mm-hmm. literally being like, oh my God, um, these two are actually going out for real. And it's like, <laughs> no, they're actors. They've just acted in a movie. Oh, they do have amazing chemistry in that film. But, yeah. like, they are actors. They are both really good actors. It's not like they're doing anything else. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there is something you people chase for, like, this X factor in, in chemistry. That kind of, I guess maybe that's what they want, something they feel that transcends this idea that they're just acting. So maybe with Green Book, it's like, but they're so funny together. It's amazing. But is it even that funny? I don't know. I just found this movie, like, kind of failed on every level for me. Like, it just, it was just so flat, like, to watch, like all of the scenes were just like, you kind of knew where it was all going. Every time it brought in something political, it was just like cringe. Um, mm-hmm. The the whole green, you know, I guess a lot of these are script problems as well, but like, yes. they're not livening up that much, are they? No, I agree. Yeah, I have, I'm quite surprised that it won best script, best original screenplay. Yeah. Um, for all I can say about how I like like enjoyed the performances and it was kind of funny and it was charming but yeah the the yeah the screenplay thing is is uh, uh a lot has been talked about the kind of factual inaccuracies of the mm-hmm. screenplay and that's of that I think that is a major issue especially when you're you know talking about something real mm-hmm. but that even on its own I just find it like a barely functional script okay, that's just so that. worn. You know, the relationship between like the wife, the the corniness of the ending, just the whole the whole thing is just so tepid. Like there's the uh, the really good Justin Chang uh, article that came out right after the win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he talks really well about this uh, this kind of idea of like perspective, and like, he highlights the scene with um, Mahershala Ali handcuffed naked to the bed trembling and how the film doesn't focus on that but instead it's all about uh vigo like charming the two police officers right 
Mm-hmm. And I think that I found that quite interesting in terms of like what did what did the actors think they were getting into mm-hmm. when they signed up for it? Yes, I do keep wanting to give um, Mahershala Ali the benefit of the doubt, but I do feel like as a movie about race, it it feels like it's for white people, but it also feels like it's for it's not trying to make white people feel uncomfortable. But I feel like that's such a key part of racism is feeling uncomfortable and and grappling with that. But this just coddles white people and centers white people's feelings and perspectives in a story about race, about racism. And that's so uh, present in the fact that it's the dude's own son that's that's written the the film, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and the fact that Viggo Mortensen is, is... the leading actor and Mahershlari is the supporting actor in that story. Yeah. And that's weird because people have complained like, oh, why was, why is Vigo nominated for best for lead and Mahershlari for supporting? And it's like, but that is the way it's presented in the film, right? That's the structure. Yeah. That is, yeah. It's a perspective of Vigo Mortensen's character. And it's also this idea that like Mahershlari has things to learn and has to change as well. Mm hmm. Um, yes, no, I read a great review, I think it was on Letterboxd, saying it's a film that thinks racism is easier to cure than snobbery. Yeah, and sort of the relation that, well, racism is a problem, but this white guy has to learn to not be racist, but Mahershlari <clears throat> also has to learn something as well for them to kind of reach this middle ground of tolerance, I guess, and friendship. I read something, I'm trying to find this article now, uh, The talked about how Mahershala Ali is this kind of critic-proof actor mm-hmm. um, and how he was kind of this weird consensus choice for supporting actor considering he won two years ago. The movie's not been critically acclaimed but he he kind of came off unscathed from everything. He's just kind of quiet and just is about the craft and nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I found it quite interesting that like no one ever has a bad word to say about Mahershala. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, oh, you know, I found I found the the performance like fine, but he wasn't doing anything like Richard E. Grant say in um, "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" I don't know. I think I am one of the uh, the critics who won't attack the great Mahershala. <laughs> I did love him in that, and you know, I, I felt quite touched by his performance. I loved it. So so how so how do we how do, how is it won then? What's going on with this voting system? So um, throughout the Oscars, um, all the categories are nominated by whatever has the most number of votes. But since two thousand and nine, when they expanded the number of Best Picture nominees from five to as many as ten, they changed the voting system to something called preferential voting. How? Do, what is that? <laughs> okay, so this is quite. I, I'm still finding it hard to follow. I read about it a couple of days ago and then I've also watched like three videos on it. Um, so for the preferential voting system, the winner has to have the majority of the votes, for example. So basically it has to have 51% of the vote out of all the the voters. So the voters are asked to rank the films from their favourite to least favourite. And then all these ballots are printed out and the films are ranked by the most votes at number one that have been ranked at number one. You you with me? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. So so far, 
like first past the post. It's standard voting system, right? Yeah. And then, so then the film with the least number of number one votes are eliminated and those ballot slips are redistributed by the film that they ranked at number two. Yes. So let's say uh, Vice was the least voted for film. Everyone that put that at number one, that vote is discounted and then it's oh, my number two is a favourite, that becomes your number one vote. That's where yes. your vote goes. So you still only have one vote, effectively. Uh, well, so no, then that process is repeated again and again and again until there's just two two votes or whatever, until one film has got 51% of the vote. Yes, it's until there's a clear winner. Yeah. So who yeah. knows how many rounds it goes. Yeah, and with the more and more films there are, the more and more split it will be and the more rearranging there'll be. Um, but the theory is it's the film that is ranked the highest on the most number of voters ballots will be the winner. So it's the film that's the most, most widely appreciated in general, as best you can get it. I th- and when you've got uh, as many as 10 nominees, that seems like a fair way to do it, right? I think in terms of politics, because I think, yeah, in, in, in politics, that, that seems like a good idea. You want something that appeals to the most number of people, but the Oscars, is not a democratic system that's deciding how you're going to live. It's, it's, it's about, it should be awarding the film that's... Hey, I live by the Green Book. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's about sort of saying this is the best and this is the one we think the most of. I don't think it's, it's not a democracy. It should be a meritocracy. And, you know, who cares if you're going to upset some people? You should be trying to find the best, not just trying to make the m- least number of people pissed off. Do you th- how often do you think this system much as it's talked about we don't actually have the specific data ever of what was on those ballots so do you think this has actually made a difference or do you just think green book is the most popular film already so some people talk about how um in recent years since this voting uh system has been implemented there's always been a split between best director and best picture winner um for example this year Alfonso Cuaron won Best Director, whereas Green Book won Best Picture. This has happened every year since uh, Life of Pi, with the exception of uh, when Ang Lee won for Life of Pi, with the exception of the year that uh, Inuritu won for Birdman and that won Best Picture. Yeah, it's, it's happened every year. There was the Damon Chazelle won Best Director for La La Land, Moonlight won Best Picture. And so I think that maybe reflects how maybe the most popular film isn't winning. But I think it also reflects how attitudes to directing are changing in that people seem to be voting for directing as a technical category rather than a dramatic one, where every film that's won Best Director... Um, correction, sorry, Guillermo del Toro won last year for, for film and, and director. Like, these are all very technical films, right? Birdman, The Revenant, uh, Shape of Water, Roma, like uh, Ang Lee, Life of Pi. Like, these are technical achievements, Quaron for Gravity. Yes. These are all yes. the biggest films that you can go, that is directed. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than, say, uh, uh, Black Klansman is superbly directed, but it's not this kind of epic scope with huge special effects. Yes, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. But that's definitely something, yeah, like, yeah, most directed, most stylized. But then, you know, realism is still a style. Uh, Low-key is still a style. Um 
uh, or just or just directing you know a great performance out of people is still is still directing it's not just about yeah as you say the effects is a is a overwhelming visual style but maybe it's harder to point to for someone that's just filling out a ballot where they say well i want to re- reward the acting so i'll do that in the acting category right mm-hmm. like um and then I want to reward the overall film because it made me feel a certain way. So you'd vote for that for film. And then, okay, what was the most impressive film? Let's say the most uh, out there. You might give that to director. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, none of those director wins have really been a surprise, have they? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's just a trend in, in direction and how people think about directing. Yeah, oh, as much of a trend as the fact that the Free Amigos, Quaron Inurito and uh, Del Toro, have won. They've they've owned the category really. F- yeah. Since since two thousand thirteen. Yeah, which is which is quite exciting. It's interesting. Um, I think yeah, you're always going to have to grapple with trends, and maybe that's something you can't fight. That's just the way that the, the tide is going. But the voting is something you can control. Um, I think you're right when you talk about the transparency, they don't share this data and they don't make it available. But I think that would, that makes it interesting. You know, there are some people that live for the kind of data crunching, number crunching and analysis, you know, infographics are very popular. People like looking at this and they should, should share that. But it, I would look, I would give my like left arm to see the, all of the data for every voting ever. Like mm-hmm. how much did, how much did Moonlight actually beat La La Land by it? How much did Olivia Coleman like destroy that category this year? Because I reckon she had like a landslide. Okay. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think the Glenn Close hype was just completely over overblown. When you think about the fact that like no one's no one under the age of sixty is interested in the wife. Do you think the Oscars can afford to be transparent with the with the data? I don't know if they should be. Why not? Because they're the they're the biggest show on earth, right? Supposedly in their in their eyes. I think part of it's that mystery and that suspense. The fact that you can't ever tell. You can't really know. Even though we know. We knew that Green Book was going to win. <laughs> I agree that suspense is part of the showmanship of it. And I suppose for the narrative of the Oscars, you need that. But, I mean, what about after the fact? They release that information. Can you learn that much from it if you know what one lot in the previous years? Yeah, I reckon you really can. Uh, especially if you start to factor in like the new demographics of like academy membership, like look at what Weinstein did in the in the nineties, where he basically learned the way to campaign your way to an Oscar victory for like any category you wanted, with him mm-hmm. owning the English Patient and Shakespeare in Love years. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare in Love is one of the biggest upsets in Oscar history, mm-hmm. um, and that is largely due down to how he campaigned for that as this light. Uh, enjoyable alternative to stuff like the Thin Red Line and, and Saving Private Ryan in, in 98. Okay, so if you share this data, you're at the risk of making the Oscars vulnerable to gaming the system. I think so. Okay. I think already, you know, like Netflix came very close this year mm-hmm. just by throwing huge amounts of money at Roma. Mm-hmm. I think the only I literally think the only reason they didn't win is because they're Netflix and people still have this slight aversion. Mm-hmm. If if Roma had been in English, that probably would have not even been a factor. They probably yes, yeah. It is. It's quite a big 
amazing deal that uh, a film not in English has, has made it to to a Best Picture norm. How often has that happened before? I, don't, I remember Amour in 2012. Yeah. Uh, Cries and Whispers was one. Life is Beautiful, Il Postino. I'm trying to think of any others. Okay. I didn't realise that it happened so many times. I guess in my living memory it hasn't really happened. Yeah, it's not It's not happened a lot. Yeah, but yeah, it shouldn't be abnormal, which is a problem. I have a big issue with the whole foreign language category anyway, but uh, yeah. Oh, let's get onto that. What's, so what's your <laughs> issue with the foreign language? Well, I think it shouldn't exist. I think it segregates um, foreign language film and uh, English language film. And it kind of reinforces this narrative of like centering the USA in English language and like pushing everyone else out of the way into to like a separate thing when really it's just kind of moving parts. They're all connected and it discourages people from thinking of foreign language cinema as in a certain way. And also foreign language as well. You know, who, what's foreign language to you? As Quaron said, you know, he grew up watching foreign language film like Citizen Kane and Jaws and yeah. Foreign language is relative. It's a relative term. But um, that, that, that barrier is definitely breaking down. Like the cinematography nominees, three of them were foreign language films. Uh, two director nominees this year were foreign language. And the acting, mm-hmm. Roma broke through in, in actress and supporting. So I I feel like mm-hmm. it, it does take a certain movie. You're right. But if you look at some of the films that have won foreign language that are quite... I, I don't know, little scene. I feel like it's... Um, I was switched on to stuff like Pan's Labyrinth or The Lives of Others because they were nominated for foreign language film. And I wonder if, if you took away that category, would they even get a look in in the other nominations? Oh, I think it's unfair when something like Roma still gets to be nominated in foreign language and then, like, nothing else gets a chance. Well, I think they just need to overhaul the selection process because... This progress is too slow. They need to think of foreign language films alongside English language films. Um, and they need to make sure that those films are getting put into the best picture category. But part of it's definitely about the, the money that the studio wants to throw behind it. Because Roma happened because Netflix were like, this is our big one, right? So say, uh, I don't know who distributed shoplifters in the US, but if they had thrown $100 million behind that, and an awards campaign for that, do you think it, something could have happened? Um, it probably would have had better chances, yes. So it's it's less the I think it's less the academy than the than the the studio, and I, and and there needs to be a certain you like Hollywood visibility. Yeah. Like I'm looking now at Life is Beautiful, directed by Roberto Benigni, who'd been known for being in uh, Jim Jarmusch films. He was fairly known in the US at that point. Yes. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, directed by Ang Lee, who'd already had like best director nomination in English. Yeah, and Quaron has obviously made English language films that have been yeah. successful and award recognition. Um, even going back, like Ingmar Bergman getting one in the seventies, he was such a known quantity at that point. Mm-hmm. And the very first one ever is uh, Le Grand Illusion by Renoir, who again was just like me- mega known even in the thirties. Okay, so you're saying I'm too naive and you can't just break down the system. You have to work within the system. Oh, well, yeah, kind of. 
That feel like that sounds very uh, neolib of me. <laughs> no, but yeah, you have to work within these parameters. People aren't going to get over foreign language, the barrier, that easy. Yeah, like, you think how close was Stephen Yun to getting the nom this year for burning? Would a bit more money behind him or a bit or a few, putting him in a few more parties? I don't know how it works, right? Sending mm-hmm. him to certain, the right events, would that have given him, got him in there? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I guess that's that's why that's why. Uh, um, like at Sundance, the negotiations for who buys what film is 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 how much they're gonna they say they in the contract they're gonna claim to put in into the awards campaign. That's oh, is part it? of it now. Yeah. Because uh. um, like yeah, that's part of negotiations now. It's like how much money are you gonna give us for this awards campaign? Because we want that's what we think this film can do. Fair. Um, so Birth of a nation style. <laughs> yeah so i guess that's that's part of it isn't it it's is a money game uh, it, it is a money game and i think that's something that's not talked about enough with smaller studios like a24 who will have several like of these kind of mid-range hits in a year but really they can only afford to go behind one they can only afford to go behind a ladybird or a, or a moonlight yeah and this year what was their big one hereditary was their best shot so the film that will win, it probably won't be something polarising that ended up maybe with a lot of number ones, but also a lot of number eights or bottom of the list thing, because it's too polarising, it doesn't have enough. It will be something that was ranked fairly high on, on the majority of lists, but I feel like that's maybe that that's not a good way to think what's the best, because you're just thinking of what's what's the most kind of liked. I'm not interested in what most people kind of liked. I'm interested in what's what's the tip top of the best. It's kind of like th- with Rotten Tomatoes because they aggregate what has the most number of positive reviews. But I'm more interested in something that's that's got a rotten score because some people because it was polarizing and it divided people and some people gave it five stars and some people gave it one stars. That's the most interesting film to me. So then, isn't the film in the middle the? most interesting film to win best picture because because green book got the most five stars and the first most one stars surely by by your metric no but no but that's not how preferential voting works because they get rid of everything that got the least number of votes but what how else can you do it when you have eight nominees i i I think they should do it as a points based system because that's how other things work so because then I think that would be more an accurate reflection of what was what people considered the best by how the number of points it got. So the the most the film if you you put if you rank a film at number one it will get eight points and if you rank a film at number eight it gets one point and then you add up those points until you get the film with the most points. And you might still end up with this stuff that. It might gravitate a little bit more towards the middle again, but I feel like it would still be more honest than this preferential voting where you're shuffling these things around. If there'd been a Best Popular Film Oscar, would we be in this situation? It would be Bohemian Rhapsody over Black Panther. Oh, would that have been the controversy? Yeah, I don't know. So the nominees would have been Black Panther, uh, Bo Rap. Um, uh, Mission Impossible Six. What? <laughs> and Infinity War. Infinity War, and 
Mamma Mia, too? No. In, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Would be Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, would have been them, and Bo Rap would have won. Yeah, boom, perfect. I kind of wish that narrative had happened instead of this. Well, I mean, have the People Cho- People's Choice Awards happened yet? That that will be your answer. Oh, is that what it is? Is but that the? I think the People's Choice Awards, and I'm not sure. I need I need to check. And the MTV Movie Awards, I think they're done by a public vote. Uh, but popular film wouldn't have been a public vote. No, it wouldn't have been. It would have. I mean, I don't. That's a fucking mess. I don't know. Do you really want to go into that? I just kind of, I don't know. I'm just curious as like how much would have been different if Rami Malek would Rami Malek still have had a Best Actor nom if his film was up for popular film. If people weren't taking that film seriously as a drama. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think he would have still been because, yes. But you're right. It might it might start to take away from best popular film nominees. I don't know. It might have just more, reinforced more this like elitist popular split good <laughs> I'm sorry but we're in a world where Rami Malek just won best actor and fucking Green Book just won best picture like maybe a bit of elitism like isn't such a bad thing yes no I feel like that's another thing I have with the, the Oscars is they don't have pride in their own industry um it goes back to this thing where they said they were going to um, put the cinematog- award for cinematography and best editing in the ad breaks. And I felt like that's just a massive symptom that shows they don't even have pride in promoting their industry and the below the belt behind the scenes crew. No, they have zero confidence in themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I think I actually think the, the broadcast itself has proved some of that wrong because it was very smooth and entertaining and mm-hmm. it didn't need a host as everyone said like it was it ran a fine i agree yeah uh, it was i enjoyed these this awards show for the lack of weird skits yeah weirdly more focused right none of that fucking we're gonna go and give pizzas to the guys next door or whatever what was <laughs> i like jimmy kimmel fine but like what was that like yeah, I think I think it works better, and and I feel like the they were still cutting people off with the speeches, but they did let them run longer. Yes, yeah. I mean, they still let the the above belt pictures and uh, winners speeches go on longer, but yeah, I, I, yeah. The, but some of the below the belt speeches <laughs> were like pretty bad anyway. The the fucking was it the, the costume guys? No, the the, the makeup. Yeah, the vice makeup. ones. That was amazing. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That was something. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the, the, there is this kind of entertainment value that you pay, people want from the Oscars, but they shouldn't be prioritising that in over giving out the awards to, to an industry they're trying to highlight excellence in. You know, they should be foregrounding that. And who cares if maybe it's a little bit dry to some people? Like, it's still what it's about. It's about shining a light on, on excellence, right? Yeah, I feel like the people that watch the Oscars are going to watch the Oscars no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. No matter how long it is. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just going to watch it. Yeah. And, like, maybe that is a more niche audience. Like, clearly they need to leave ABC. That's probably going to happen, right? Yes. Um, I feel like that's crucial. I mean, I feel like it should be on PBS. And it should just they should commit to being a, a, a little bit stuffy, but, you know, about the film art, you know? 
Yeah. Um, I think the in memoriam section has has really taken a nosedive where like there's there's never any clips from the movies anymore. Mm-hmm. They didn't even put Stanley Donan in there. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest crime of the night. It's it's just like there because they for the sake of it at this point. Yeah, I appreciate there being like a tribute to John Williams with the the choice there. But in previous years, I remember they had like a clarinet solo and it was quite touching. But this, yeah, this year with the John Williams like medley, it was a bit less personal and emotional. Um, yeah, that's my take on the in memoriam. In terms of how the 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 winners are chosen in the academy um and how it's kind of a broken system uh i read this piece on the film school rejects um and they talk about how there's a lack of accountability um with the voters and you do always get these these strange choices because the academy voters are like eight thousand people now it's it's a lot of people yeah, it's kind of almost too many. Is it almost meaningless now because so many people can can put their two cents in? Yeah, it is best popular film. Yeah, and um, when so Hollywood Reporter every year they do these um, anonymous Oscar voters tell you how they voted on their ballot, and they're really interesting. Um, and sometimes they're kind of sobering because they'll often say, "I ha- I didn't finish watching that what film. I don't know what this foreign language film is. I haven't even heard of Border." Um, I saw, uh, you know, it's, it's Regina King has been great on TV, so she deserves this Oscar. It's, it's, it's kind of tells you more about the politics of the voting and how personal it can be. Um, Yeah. And so there's a lack of accountability because there's 8,000 people who you're trusting to tell you what they want to win. So in the film school rejects, they put on this thing that they should use, have a jury like film festivals where you've got maybe... 12 people who watch all the films and then deliberate on what the winners are. But that's how the things get nominated. Because to you don't get... Not everyone vote, decides the nominees, do they? It's like the directors decide the directors. Yeah. Etc. So... But I think that system should be taken to the, to the winners because, it, it's, you know, those winners aren't interesting anymore. But then it's not the, then it's not the Oscars anymore. <laughs> Then it's a film festival. Yeah, but then at least you're making sure that Border has a chance at winning best best make hair and makeup because people saw it rather than just didn't bother. I yeah I I get you, but these these things have to be there. That you can't change the Oscars that much because then it just isn't the same show anymore. I guess you have like, to make an part of it has to be the embarrassing picks for stuff right mm-hmm. like we have to in 30 years be like vice <laughs> what is that do you remember extremely loud and incredibly close no but that's the best picture nominee forever and isn't that brilliant i agree there's an affection to be had to the strangeness of the oscars but i think we can still be affectionate towards it while striving for something a bit better and a bit you know, a bit more special. I don't know. I think, I think you're underestimating the fact that like the favorite was a heavy hitter this year. Mm-hmm. Like that is a weird movie by a very weird dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roma getting in there. Black Klansman, Spike Lee finally actually getting, I think that is an improvement. Mm-hmm. Like 
sure, like, Beale Street should have been in there. Mm-hmm. Like, and so many other great movies. But, like, look at look at the nominees for 2009. Best Picture is Slumdog Millionaire, Milk, Frost Nixon, The Reader, and uh, Something Else Terrible. Like, that... Like, how... I don't know. We've come so far. <laughs> so much better than 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 past years, I think. That I'm just like, no, I, I don't know. Like, and if and if there's going to be ten nominees for best picture, then some of them will be bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's the thing. You're never going to please everybody. So why should you try to with preferential voting? Because you never will please everyone, and you'll end up with something like Green Book. You know what? If, what if they they want to choose a winner by by using preferential voting? They want a winner that most people will be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's not my number one, but it was in my top three or my top five, you know. But why would you do that? Why won't they choose for something that 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 might upset people? Because it's always going to upset people. But don't you also think that the legacy of a movie can actually be quite damaged by winning Best Picture? Um, so for example, like the artist generally considered to be like a fairly entertaining, fluffy movie wins best picture. Suddenly it's like this like enemy of cinephilia because that shouldn't have won against the tree of life. Um, so like that winning best picture has hurt its legacy. Mm -hmm. So maybe if a bad film wins best picture, that's fine because then you can say, oh, well, Citizen Kane never won it. Citizen Kane was so good that it was too good for people at the time. People at the time just didn't understand how great that was. Okay. I agree there's this weird thing Like, Hitchcock Oscars... not winning an Oscar. Yeah. It's like... Where Oscars hurt films. But you're relying on the counter-narrative to justify the preferential voting system. Like, just because it's cooler to not win doesn't mean that we should keep letting bad films win. But I'm not sure that changing the changing the voting system would actually make that much of a difference. I I, I honestly, I, I just go back to the amount of money that's being put into the films by the studios. I think that is entirely mm-hmm. what, what does it. And also having the right narrative at the right time. Like, because Green Book has managed to be both placid kind of apolitical movie and reactionary film for people that don't like wokeness. And they're going, fuck you, I liked mm-hmm. it, so I'll vote for it. So I I, I don't I don't think mm-hmm. the voting will change it. And I think that having a system such as preferential ballot, although I like your idea of the you know, the points, point system sounds good. I think you you need something like that with this many nominees. Because it's telling that like the acting categories don't have a preferential system. I think that's another problem though, because it's inconsistent. It's not just with the the best picture, best director split. Although I kind of like that idea because that it's less predictable. But, I mean, so with any other category with five nominees, the winning film could just could win with 21% of the vote. Whereas the best picture film has the pressure to win with 51% of the vote. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying this year proved once and for all that best picture isn't the important one anymore. Best actress is the real big prize <laughs> of the night. Which is sort of valid. Uh-huh. Like, the Best Actor nominees are never particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, like, when you think, like, Bradley Cooper's basically given the most interesting performance out of that lot 
and I still don't think he was the best male performer last year. Mm-hmm. Um, like the actress category is always this kind of real fight for dominance, right? Real fight for the soul of the Oscars in some way. Mm-hmm. When uh, Emma Stone beat Isabelle Huppert in 2016-17, <laughs> like that said a lot. Um Sorry, I got distracted. I was, I was, I started reading about the MTV Movie Awards, where they no longer separate performances by gender. It's just best, best performance. Okay, so who's up for it? Uh, so it's already happened. Oh wait, no, okay. no, I'm looking at the wrong ones. Oh, so their awards are held in May, so the years are slightly different. So for best performance in a movie, it was Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, who won, and he beat. Timothy Chalamet, call me, call me by your name. Ansel Elgort in Baby Driver, Daisy Ridley in Star Wars, and Saoirse Ronan in Lady Bird. Yeah, fair. He's the best one out of them. Yeah. Um, and then they also have other categories, uh, like Best Performance in a TV Show, Best Comedic Performance, Best Hero, Best Villain. Uh, and they also have, you know, Best On-Screen Couple or things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think, is that something the Oscars should move toward? Is that another overhaul they need to get rid of the gender-based acting categories uh i like that that more people get to win oscars okay i like i do think i agree that there's a weird arbitrary binary there Mm -hmm. but like hey if four people get to win acting oscars rather than two like that's okay but for me that's interesting yeah i guess that's good Although I do, I, I take, I do understand the problems that are there. Yeah. But, um, I'd rather more people get Oscars. <laughs> or more speeches. <laughs> or more nominees. Let's just do eight acting categories. Yeah. Because I do think there should be an ensemble award. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you get that in like SAG and stuff. There should be a best cameo. Best voice performance. Yes, voice acting. Catherine Keener in Incredibles <laughs> 2. Yes, I think voice acting should be recognised at the Academy. But lots of what would be your voice acting winner for this year? Hmm. I don't Obviously, if, if you, apart from Catherine Keener in Incredibles 2, <laughs> which is clearly the best, but yeah. Um, I'm hesitant to say right now, because obviously my favourite animated film was uh, Spider-Man. But... Isle of Dogs had a lot of memorable voice performances, but I'm kind of mad at that movie, so I don't know if I want to give it awards. But then should I be giving... Should I let that feeling of annoyedness and madness be, play a part in who wins? I don't know. You know. Well, you still you liked Mahershala in a film you didn't like. That's true. I suppose... Well, you did like, but... Yeah. There's that interesting conversation of what about best performances in bad movies? Yeah, totally. I, I was looking at my... Um letterbox lists of like all the best actress winners ranked and etc and there's plenty of times where i'm like i don't like this movie but like so-and-so is doing a good job Mm -hmm. like the queen i don't think the queen's a good movie but helen mirren does a good queen that's good then that these these good performances are getting acknowledged in in so-so movies i haven't seen the queen yeah uh it's boring Boring film. Uh, in conclusion, I think the preferential voting system needs to be changed. I think it doesn't work. Like, I think trying to strive 
for the highest approved film is is not is a poor goal. I think it's a symptom of a wider issue with the Oscars where they're just trying to please too many people because they're never going to please everyone. They should be be aiming for something else. And I think it needs to be changed. I rest my case. Um, I shall now return to my chambers to deliberate judge movie style. Um, meanwhile, let's talk about the worst take of the week. <laughs> what? what uh, this is a new feature here on Judge Movie, where we look at the worst take of the week. I like it. What have we got this week? We didn't decide we what we were going to talk about. Uh, but... I like the way you kind of just made me make that decision. <laughs> Please do. Oh man. Please decide. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that Hadley Freeman article was pretty bad, but I feel like we're not quite ready for that yet. You know, we need to, to bide our time before we can really... Before we... Yeah, I think we need to, like, wait, wait for her to drop an, a real claim. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about doing this Jessica Chastain one? I've, I've... I... Okay, I, we could try that, but I still feel like I don't totally understand. Um, but maybe if you want to lead the attack, I can sort of follow follow through what you're doing. If you explain it to me okay. in detail. So... Let's do a little little uh, Vox explainer for Jessica Chastain's ball drop the day before the Oscars. So, on Twitter, uh, Jessie Chast, uh, who's pretty outspoken about how she feels about the industry a lot of the time, and uh, power to her, I think she's a great force, uh, she dropped the list of the best picture winners from the last 20 years, and how much dialogue, uh, or the dialogue split between men and women is in these movies. Um, and as she says Shape of Water brackets minimal dialogue the artist brackets silent film and Chicago brackets musical are missing this is on a graph that she didn't make but she's sharing it Um, and she was called out for the fact that uh, the Shape of Water doesn't have minimal dialogue but rather Sally Hawkins character speaks Mm -hmm. in sign language Um, to which Chastain kind of got a bit defensive and was saying no she's mute uh, so she doesn't talk in the film this list is pretty bad regard- you know The Shape of Water obviously is a clangor to also leave out Chicago uh, which is uh, absolutely a woman led mm-hmm. film is also uh, just a uh, oversight yep. right yes uh, I think I guess it's a problem with any kind of statistic or graph thing is that you need to be very thorough with your sources and how that data's analysed and recorded and, and pulled from. And yeah, Chicago is an interesting outlier that should be counted because, yeah, it's a musical. It's written by women, or like the original story is written by women. It's women-led. It's a really interesting choice. Um, it also has plenty yes, of dialogue. And I don't see why singing wouldn't be... Are you still... So you're a bit more forgiving of this take? I think it's just this, it's the same thing with every tweet, you know, it's a limited space bred on a ground where you kind of don't put as much thought as you should into what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know, there's too many variables, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's still worth pointing out how much dialogue there is. In terms of a bad take, I was really hoping there'd be some awful uh, articles coming out of the Oscars stuff. Uh, but mostly it was just kind of asinine uh, recaps mm-hmm. um, 
nothing too contentious. No one was like, actually, Vice should have won. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Vice is the one that's already been forgotten mm-hmm. of all these movies. That has just like f- disappeared from it has. the universe. And good. Mm. I never got your take on Vice. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's not sure if it wants to be natural born killers or like uh a like I don't know, um or the president's men. Like does it want to be a journalistic, serious take on a political issue, or does it want to be a satire kind of making these kind of interesting statements in an interesting stylized way? But it does neither very well and it just ends up in the middle and it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, the amount that it wants to be Oliver Stone is like very embarrassing considering Oliver Stone already did the exact same story in W. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the way that it lets um, Bush off the hook, I find, is just like unforgivable. Because mm-hmm. the movie's just like, oh, he was a dumbass. So leave him alone. Yes. It's like, it leans mm-hmm. into that, that Bush is dumb narrative in a very uh, shallow way. Like he's barely a character. Barely a character. And and I think the way that the film actually explores the Iraq war is very shallow as well. Like it's the Iraq war is presented as this like white whale that uh, Cheney et al wanted to get to after uh, the Reagan years, like that they were desperate to go, go back to Iraq, but it never really tells you why. So if this movie is trying to be yeah. like for everyone, then it just doesn't really actually fill in any of those blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about the performances? Pardon? How did you feel about those performances? Uh, yeah, they didn't really do a lot for me, actually. People fucking love them, and regardless of how they feel about the film, everyone praises the acting. But I'm just like, it's fine. It's, it's all right. It's pretty good. Yeah, I found them like I don't think Christian Bale did much to get under Cheney's skin at all. I think he hid behind the makeup. And Amy Adams is like, what are you even? Are you even present? Um, I did have one more thing to say about the Jessica Chastain thing. So when um, Sally Hawkins and Shape of Water uh, were, you know, in the run up to the uh, the the, the twenty seventeen awards, um, there was a lot of conversation about how there are a lot of mute women Oscar winners. Right. Um, is it Children of a Lesser God? Children of Lesser God, uh, Miracle Worker, Jane Wyman, Jane Wyman for uh, um, Johnny Belinda, um, and I think there are a few others as well. Uh, um, God, a lot of arms. Uh, <laughs> Holly Hunter in the piano. Oh, of course, yes, classic. And I think that is interesting because that is, it's women, you know, it's women who can't speak with their mouths, but maybe. Yeah, there's maybe there's something you need to explore about how they sign or how they speak in other ways, but there is something there of about women who aren't about women's voice. Women like know? being silenced. Yeah. Yeah. And that's continually and that's often recognised and awarded by the Academy by critical mm. praise. And I think that is something worth exploring. How many male nominees are skimming silent performances? Yeah. Outside of the artist. Mm-hmm. Guess it doesn't count. You know, yeah the the Duncan Jones film with Alex Skarsgård. People aren't talking about that. Of course, that was unjustly overlooked. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And maybe that also says something about what we think about acting, like not speaking but emoting. Yes. And is that a gendered thing? Or, I mean, there's a lot of stoic performances that people love. Well, I think that maybe people don't talk so Physical much. performances are often uh, rewarded by the Academy, hence the the uh, transformations, right? Mm-hmm. Rami Malek's effectively mute in that film because he's lip syncing the whole way through. So, is it fair to say that that was a mute performance? <laughs> I'm not yeah. looking for answers. Just just asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I just I just I'm debating whether it's worth pointing out that apparently he he did sing some of it. They like mixed it all together. Apparently, right. And maybe it's his accent work that people love as well. But it's not a good accent. He doesn't sound yeah. like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a bit more forgiving to accents. If they're consistent throughout the film, I don't mind if it's kind of a strange amalgamation accent. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, my perception of Rami Malek is coloured by um, how he just completely ignored the Brian Singer thing in an effort to win awards. And I think in the long run, mm-hmm. he will disappear from the cultural uh, zeitgeist very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. He'll play a Bond villain. The next Bond film will be bad and then he'll go away. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure how everything's going to fall out in the handling of that situation, but no, I think he could have done a bit better. I think everyone involved in that film should be like thoroughly ashamed of themselves. Okay, yeah. Like, how much is Brian Singer like cackling and rubbing his hands together right now that his movie won four Oscars like made a shit ton of money yeah you know he might not be directing Red Sonja but soon enough he, he'll be given another project mm-hmm. and that's why the Oscars need to change their preferential voting system <laughs> so shit like Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't get in there yeah. So yeah, you need to. What's your verdict, Dodge? Um, verdict on the Oscars this year is a very solid broadcast and one that I think they should, you know, go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm as convinced by a strong alternative to the current voting system. Um, Why is that? Because I just don't, I don't know that it would make a difference to the winners. I don't, I think, I I think some, uh, some icebergs are unavoidable. <laughs> Titanic, okay. 1997. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we should aspire to like better, but maybe we shouldn't be looking to the Oscars for the actual best films of the year. Okay. Maybe you should look at them more as a reflection of, of the the cultural moment and when something like moonlight wins that feels very validating mm-hmm. and when it's green book it's it doesn't feel like that so i, I love okay. the oscars too much <laughs> i set the free oscars <laughs> go flying wow. i set you free like paul schrader leaving a24's nest 
Okay, so that's I finally that's asked his innocence. But what about the the court of public opinion? Um, hmm. You know, let us know what you think. Um, if you agree with me, let me know. Um, if you don't, you know, you, you can you can do something else. You can email us at judgemoviepodcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get in touch uh, Instagram and Twitter at at judgemoviepod. Sure can. Yeah. What are your Oscar takes? Let's hear it. If you've completely fed up of ever talking about the Oscars again, then let us know. Yeah. Next week we'll be back with something different, something less Oscary. That's right. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it won't be the Oscars. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. we'll work it. Yeah. Court adjourned. <laughs>